Hey, Mish. Hey, Kat. How are you? Well, Sunday-ish. No one needs to know that. No one. <laughs> it's the mystery of <laughs> podcasting. Today, I just want to talk to you about some of the effects that has happened to the hospitality and oh, tourism sectors, particularly. Yeah. So I've invited a hospitality expert to come on and talk to us about her lived experience. Wonderful. Do you know many people in hospitality and tourism? Well, I know a few, hospo more than tourism. Yeah. And it's interesting because I was actually having a conversation with a friend last night. They're just hammered and they're the ones just still suffering. Yeah so much yeah and if you're just a, a patron or a you know general punter mm. then you don't get that concept of it and then every now and then I speak to someone who's in it and they're fucked basically yeah. apart from you know everyone coming down with COVID every second yeah well I thought getting someone in who sort of lived the mm. COVID experience mm. would be a good thing to do and you know it might not be sunshine and lollipops but it's it's I think a really important conversation to have because they're still suffering and it's still not totally. kind of back to normal yeah. so let's introduce Tanya Hanush now Tanya is a former IT guru who some years ago I'm not sure how many we'll ask her decided to follow her dream and open a local wine bar and restaurant in Yay. downtown Bentley called Woofer Malone and she's a very very good woman she loves wine she does lots of interesting things things so I thought we might get her in to say hello what do you reckon perfect hey Tan welcome to from the hip hello hello and thanks for having me on today hey absolutely our pleasure any woman who follows their dream is welcome here <laughs> that's right oh, thanks, guys. That's I just great. wish wish I knew what mine was um <laughs> So just tell us quickly, by way of sort of context, tell us a little bit about your journey into hospitality from your previous corporate career. Yeah, so um, I grew up around hospitality. Mum and dad owned businesses around Melbourne for uh, a good part of 40 years. Right. Um, so for me, I, I grew up with, you know, food on the table and people coming over and connection and breaking bread and drinking good wine and then spent 18 years in the corporate IT industry and then nine years into that tenure I went something's missing yeah uh, like I need soul. to need to be yeah yeah and um I kind of it took me about seven years to kind of make that mental leap yep. uh, and leaning into to taking that that next step of of uncertainty you know and backing myself and then when I did it in 2016, it was all quite serendipitous, actually, because there was some, you know, I was doing redundancies where I was working and I kind of put my hand up and it was all just, it kind of just worked beautifully. And then I'd kind of been, I started looking for a venue to dip my toe into and, and build up. And I grew up around Bentley, yeah. uh, which, is where the, which is where the bar is. And I saw that there was a lot of gentrification happening in the area, a lot of young families moving in. Lots of older couples there as well, retirees. I thought this would be an amazing spot to set up a beautiful space. Yeah. So we did that. Uh, we opened up in 2017 and going exceptionally strong, had great backing from our local community, which was amazing. And then COVID hit. Yeah, the big C, hey? Yeah. So tell us about that. I mean, obviously none of us knew what was going to happen and how long this bloody thing was going to go for. What were your initial thoughts around that? What did, what did you think you needed to do? You know, I, I remember that the first time that we heard about what was happening overseas and I said to my chef, I'm like, 
I don't think this is actually going to hit us. I think, right. I, you know, I'm pretty sure it's going to be contained just to overseas and it's, you know, it's not going to be as bad as what the media is making out to be. And then sure enough, um, you know, March hit and uh, it was just running rife uh, in our country. And then obviously the lockdowns hit. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for the last two years, it was always about the uncertainty. You know, there's just been so much uncertainty and us as hospitality owners having to open and close and open and close and not sure when the next opening is going to be and having to adapt and, and I hate the word, but pivot. And uh, we found the strength in being able to do that um, yeah. very early on. We dug deep and we sort of said, yep, you know, let's, let's do this. Let's, let's again, just lean into this and just go with, go with it. So within 72 hours of the first lockdown, we rebranded. We set up a takeaway business, which traditionally we are dining only. Thankfully, I had an off-premise license, so we could we could sell wine as a bottle shop. We could sell our wine as a bottle shop, and that was pretty much the sort of the start of our innovation. Yeah, I've got to say, Tanya, you were you were very dynamic uh, over the course of the pandemic because I think obviously your IT skills were very helpful to you, and you kind of just got stuff done, right? Yeah. Well, I, I kind of think we had to get stuff done. I wasn't going to sort of put my head in the sand and, and, you know, close the business down, which is what a lot of businesses did the first lockdown is they thought, oh, it'll, it'll probably just pass and it'll be, you know, two, three weeks and we'll be okay and we'll open up our doors again. But I, for me, it was like, no, we need to be looking after our community because, you know, people are doing it tough. Parents are now having to, you know, keep their kids home from school and what does that yeah. mean for them? And so. I absolutely loved being able to innovate yep. um, throughout that period. But I guess the challenge came when we had to continue to innovate over the lockdowns and sort of bring something new in. And so we would, you know, we were bringing in venues from the CBD who were suffering and doing pop-ups with them. And they were really successful too. Um, and it, it was, for us, it was just about bringing joy back to the community in a, no. in a really dark period. Yeah. Do you know what I loved is not having met you before, I, I had a little read through your website and it's this beautiful heartwarming presentation of not only a business but of the essence of a business that you've actually been able to convey to someone completely in the cold. You know, I was in your space and it's, it's a very rare thing. So there's, to explain to others, there's almost a storytelling that you convey in, you know, a short frame of a few paragraphs and it's completely draws draws one in to, I imagine, what is the actual essence. I'm, I'm hanging now to come to your venue. But that's a, that's a beautiful thing and it's also a really rare thing, I think, too. You never read that amount of sort of authentic, heartwarm message in the portrayal of a, of a venue of, of any kind. So... That was, yeah, yeah that you. was a beautiful thing. Thank you. And that's kind of what our ethos is all about. Is it's, it's all about everything has a story to tell and, and in the history of Wolf and Malone and where that came from and, you know, the story of my journey, the story of, you know, why we pick the wines we do, why we, you know, the story of the winemakers, the story of the food, everything kind of has this lovely tie-in, which I think resonates with a lot of people because that's how we connect. And Mish. 
from the hip. When did it start getting tricky for you? I mean, obviously, you know, you had to keep innovating. We then go into a second year, you know, you've still got rent and staff to manage. You've got stock to manage at short notice when lockdown, snap lockdowns come. How did you keep going? I wasn't going to let my entrepreneurial spirit fizzle out. Um, And I think that's what kept me going, to be brutally honest. And I think the other thing that kept me going was our community. The support from our community throughout that whole time was so infectious to me that I had to keep going for our community, regardless of whether we were making money or not, regardless of, you know, we would open on days and we would get no deliveries and no one coming in for wine, you know. And I think it got tough sort of towards the back half of last year, you know, just before we opened. We had that sort of fairly lengthy lockdown. You know, but for me, it was just let's just keep bringing a little bit of joy. Yeah. What about supplies? I mean, because that's that's so the supply chain was it has certainly been hampered again. Was that a yeah. was that a point where you had to just keep reinventing? Right, we've got to go down this avenue or this. Where are we going to find the next? Yeah, and we we were just picking. Stop. You know, we were just putting together menus that were you know we could get our hands on. We mm. were sort of creating sort of dinner packs for families and doing you know a homeschooling pack and mm. so we would you know chef was quite innovative as well and we were just trying to find things that we could sort of put together and so as part of you know the the brand you know quarantine canteen we were able to sort of do beautiful little packs for home and bring you know and it was actually quite warming because I actually had people coming into our venue for the first three years and it was such a beautiful thing to be able to deliver our food mm. and knock on one of my customers' doors yeah. and bring our experience into their home. Mm. You know, yeah. it, was ma- it was magic. Absolutely yeah. magic. But I guess the, the tricky thing, and I and I would have to say now, I think this is the hardest year. Okay. Yeah, wow. Tell us about that. Um, so we've got no internationals yeah. coming through. Even though our, our borders are now open, they're not they're not coming back in droves. Mm. Uh, and I don't want to get political here, but you know we, you know, I don't feel like our government's doing enough to bring internationals back into our country and entice them that that working force back into our country. Mm. We've got ex chefs that are now kind of doing other vocations and they've kind of gone into construction or real estate, so we're now lacking, you know, a lot of staff in the kitchen. Mm. We've now got a new generation of front of house workforce coming through our door so we we don't have I guess career professionals yeah very few and far between now you know a lot Mm. of them have kind of hung their aprons up so the landscape I believe of dining particularly in Melbourne has fundamentally changed yeah you know dubious in coming out we're still getting a lot of cancellations we're struggling to hire people Mm. um it's it's a real challenge and I and I I really believe this year has been the hardest year more than the last two. Oh god. And so the note about the dining experience or the in dining investment of Melbourneians being changing, do you see that as a longer term prospect or is it something do do we revert again or is it we're going into it 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 has to again be a whole new mode? Yeah, I kind of feel like especially evening dining in particular, we're seeing a softening in the suburbs. And it's just becoming really inconsistent. We just can't pick, you know, back in the day, we'd, we, we'd be able to say Friday, Saturday nights were our busiest nights. And now we, we start seeing a Wednesday, Tuesday night. 
That's interesting because there was some talk during the pandemic about, you know, everybody was shopping local. We had to stay local because we couldn't go beyond Mm. 5Ks. People were supporting their local cafes and coffees and all that became part of our sort of shtick when we were in lockdown. Um, And there was a lot of talk about that hyper-local vibe continuing, but that's not necessarily what you're seeing. Not what I'm seeing at the moment, but that's not to say with people that are kind of dipping their toes and going back into the city and working. Mm. Um, We're just seeing really interesting trends coming through. I'm quite hopeful that the tide will turn back a little bit once people settle into going and working in the city and coming home. And, you know, I think a lot of people are still really coming to grips with the last two years and there's a lot of people you know, that they're still struggling with it all, Yeah. Um, you know, and just finding their routine back again. Yeah, you know? that's true. And, and you know, we were just talking about that before because there's these constant waves. And so, you know, when Melbourne opened up, oh, right, okay, so we're getting back into action, we're getting back into our normal, not whatever normal For God's is. sake, why do they keep using that word? But mm. here's the next wave again of having everyone had sort of gone back head forth into their world and and again there's a sort of new exhaustion that's going on yeah i i think is a quite a common conversation Everyone, at the yeah moment. i'm 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 branding 2022 the year of the grind you yeah, know right. it's been a grind for a lot of people and not just yeah. us no small businesses yeah people in general yeah kids you know yeah. and i really i think the impact of that we get to see Yeah. So having named 2022 the year of the crime. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't want to be all doom and gloom, ladies. It's, you know, I think that I think that's I'm seeing it and I'm feeling it from a lot of people. Yeah. 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 And as you say, you know, just finding your new space. I mean, you know, it's still so many people working from home. The way that we work mm-hmm. has completely changed. Mm. Yep. So you probably haven't got as many people wandering past from the station picking up a bottle on their way home. Like the way that we're doing things are different. It's different. Yeah. Absolutely. Fundamentally people's different. pockets aren't as deep anymore yeah. either. Well, mm. no. I mean, I think there's there's an anxiety around employment and about money mm. and what's going to happen. Now we've got a bloody election coming. I mean, you know, yep. more, more, more uncertainty, more uncertainty. And really, you know, one's one certainty if we say is often just around the dinner table sharing food yeah so you know can we and that's a beautiful thing if you can just bring again that sort of and I'm, I'm trying to coin the term of just you know depositing pockets of goodness you know just for yourself mm. and for your community and for your loved mm. ones and you know just even if it's just one thing a day that you can just bring a little bit of joy back you know yeah. it makes a huge difference Sort of transferring that gratitude, really. Like yeah. if you can transfer that into other people and then they can get some tiny little snippet of that yeah. to then nourish themselves so then they can give it back again. Mm. Did you have, uh, you know, supportive suppliers and what about your landlord and all that sort of stuff? Did, were you able to negotiate good outcomes there? Um, Yes and no. Um, yeah. I won't talk about the landlord situation. I just it, that was really tough, and just having to, you know, go cap in hand mm, constantly, um, constantly, yeah. uh, and met with reluctance. Mm. Some um, got it, and some did not. Yeah, mm. yeah. Across yeah. all, we got it when we when when it, we had to get it. 
but when we asked for it outside of that, when that first year, it was mm. really tough. Really mm. tough. So um, suppliers were great. We, you know, we didn't have any issues with suppliers. We were we sort of were doing deals with a lot of our wine suppliers, and they were helping us out. And a lot of the suppliers were sort of stepping up and sort of doing pretty big discounts. And you know, it was you know they. They, they really sort of came to the party because they were struggling as well. So yeah, that's right. So it was all in it together, really, all yeah. in it together, which, as you say, is a lovely thing in terms of, you know, your sense of community and people helping each other and, you know, I mean, there was that whole thing of just random acts of kindness, you know, people dropping stuff on your door or baking or, you know, I mean, it, there were some really beautiful, lovely things that mm. came out of it. But, you know, I think as a business owner, well, I shut down my business. So, you know, I, yeah. I get it. So do you think that the future is looking bright? And do you think how long can you hang on? Are you going to keep hanging on? Oh, we're, we're hanging on. That's, that's, <laughs> I, I'm not giving myself any other option. Kat. I've got to come for dinner. Are, Don't go anywhere yet. No, that's we right. We are no, hanging on. And, and, it's, and it's actually quite beautiful to hear our community and our you know, regular patrons coming back going, oh, we're so glad you made it through. Yeah. yeah. You know, we're so glad you're still here. You know, like we were really rooting for you. I'm like, oh, that's just, that, that keeps us going. Tony, you mentioned it. You mentioned earlier about, um, you know, doing these sort of collaborations with other people in the industry and doing pop-ups. Did you find there was a sense, I know at the outset that the arts community sort of banded together. Did that also reflect in the hospo industry? Was are there, Were there new conduits that were open opened between Absolutely. yeah okay yeah. and has that maintained itself that that sort of collective I've got other venues around me that you know we have formed very amazing mm. friendships and bonds you know and then you know yeah. we're now kind of I'm now kind of looking at building out you know um, a pool of of staff that we can mm. all kind of share amongst ourselves oh, fantastic. because there is such a lack at the moment yeah you yeah. know trying to sort of pick you know maybe half a dozen of venue owners that we can kind of pull staff around whether it's cafe or evening yeah so this pandemic has given a lot of us that we're able to innovate amazing new revenue streams you know we're now we're now doing events yeah I know we're doing events before but we're doing virtual events which from that I was able to do corporate virtual events for a lot of the corporates that wanted to sort of maintain their their customer base and and touch their customer base Mm. so so those that were able to innovate have, you know, have created some pretty amazing new revenue streams and, and we're, we're one of those businesses. So I'm very thankful for that. Yeah. As I said, I mean, you know, Tanya's got obviously a broad skill set and was able to bring all of those skills to the table. I mean, I do feel for people who just d- didn't have that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, they, they mustn't wonder what in the hell had hit them, to be honest. Yeah. But you also and, some, like- and some of them didn't make it through, Kat. Yeah, you know, yeah. a lot of those amazing venues, especially in the city, Mm. just couldn't make it through, A, because they didn't get the support of their landlord and B, just because the city was decimated, you know. And those, I think I kind of felt like the ones that did close early were the ones that probably suffered the most. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So what's what's up ahead for Wolf and Malone? I mean, again, more innovation about putting together, you know, a community of workers and bringing people together. I mean, yeah. you are a bloody amazing girlfriend. You really are. Yeah, thank you. Um, just more events. I think just again about bringing people together through food and wine and bringing together, you know, hospitality people where we can support each other somehow. It is a really lonely and isolating industry for a lot yeah. of small businesses, especially yeah. in the hospital industry. We just tend to kind of fail on our own and it's, it's you know, 
I think there's there's something in that where we need to sort of come together and sort of understand, you know, what what issues we're facing and how we can potentially fix them together. Well, I think that I think that staff share is genius. Yeah, genius. Like yeah, a, as a model that you can then just promote to other areas of of Melbourne. I think that's yeah, genius. Totally. You know, if we look at the way that the first generation of chefs were working in over the last sort of 10, 15, 20 years, you know, they were doing 40, 50 hour weeks, mm. you know, and I think when the pandemic hit, you know, a lot of these guys went, you know what, oh, there's, there's got to be some work-life balance now. Yeah. Uh, and it was a good opportunity for them to get out yeah. of the industry. You know, behind the, I call it behind the proscenium arch. Yeah. You know, if you think of a theatre show, yeah. in front, you know, you've got the audience and they're your patrons. And then yeah. at the back, you've got people running around trying to, you know, get their makeup on, trying to get their aprons on, <laughs> chefs, you know, trying to figure out why, you know, prep hasn't been done properly. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of the, I think a lot of the chefs were sort of done with that and found new things to do. Will they, they'll come back? I'm hopeful that the tide will turn at some point. And people won't be asking for 40 bucks an hour to wash dishes anymore. Oi, yeah. Oi, oi. <laughs> yeah, that's it, isn't it? And are you finding, Tan, the people who are coming back, are they more careful about their spending or is it just let's just go for it because we've had a shit two years? What's people's sort of mentality coming back into restaurants? The punters. Uh, yeah. I think it's a, it's a mix. I think, we, we you know, we are getting those people that are coming in and going, yep, we're just going to support you and we're going to, you know, come and see you every week for Sunday lunch. And they do and they, they're, they're great. And then we've got some people that just will just come in for a glass of wine and that's okay. Yeah, that's, that's okay. It. Everyone's everyone's situations are different. We can't, you know, we can't one size people fits to ransom all. with, you know, how they dine with us, you know. It's, I think, as I said, the landscape has changed and we've got to kind of adapt with that changing landscape. Mm. Well, I think, you know, you've had a, an incredible time and it's been, you, you just never cease to amaze me with the new ideas that you're coming up with and rebranding after three days, quarantine, canteen. I mean, just genius. If only you knew how long that was going to last. But, yeah, I know. <laughs> Bloody annoying, isn't it? Um, yeah. But, okay, what's, what's your biggest positive takeout from the last two years? New revenue streams, I think, being able to create those new revenue streams under under pressure yeah. uh, and the ones that will last will, will yield us in and put us in good stead. And I just think tenacity is kind of what's kind of kept me going, you know, just that yeah. sort of fire in my belly. Yeah. People, it's, it's always about people and that's what I love. I can sit back on a Friday night in a full restaurant and watch people laughing and having yeah. a good time and there's joy. Mm. Yeah. And, Joy in that. And as a a very dear friend of mine said to me, good things happen to good people. So um, I'm getting the vibe that you're one of them. Yeah, she sure is. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely our pleasure. So it's Wolf and Malone in Centre Road, Bentley. We'll put all your links up and stuff on the website so that people can come and have a look and be as moved by your story as Mish was, which is lovely feedback, isn't it? Thank you. It's great feedback. Mish, uh, you know, tales of courage, really. Yeah. Incredible courage. As I said earlier, you can, as a punter, you don't know the intricacies. Yeah. You can, you know, great, I can go back here, I can go back there. And, you know, in fact... 
this weekend particularly, I was in the city on Friday night. It was mad. There's people lining up for really hole-in-the-wall dumplings. Get me some, get me some, get me some. <laughs> well, I, I must say I couldn't wait to get back mm. out there. I know some people were reluctant. but well, Let's um, hope that keeps up and yeah. then, you know, the love can be shared around. Yeah, well, look, follow us on um, from the hip underscore podcast. <laughs> She's you're good at that, oh, Matt, I'm really not. I should have done that right <laughs> at the beginning. Anyway, I'll get another mummy smack. So I think, you know, hats off to all the hospitality people who have made it. Yes. Really, you know, much yes. love to the people who didn't. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Thank you to all of you because we love food. Yeah. Well, we, we love wine. Well, we do. We love. Well, would you like to come and enjoy some of my hospitality? Mm, yeah, I always love that. Okay. <laughs> all, right. <laughs> all right. I'll see you soon. See you. Bye-bye. Bye. From the Hip is a weekly podcast featuring Kath and Mish for and on behalf of From the Hip Enterprises, recorded in the studios of From the Hip. You can subscribe and find more episodes of From the Hip at fromthehip.live, on Instagram at fromthehip underscore podcast, search for From the Hip on Facebook, and download wherever you'd like to get your podcasts. Until next time, stay fab, stay fearless, stay hip.